0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right, let's finish up Ruth, shall we? End of Ruth chapter 3 and chapter 4. After this, we'll begin 1 John. Uh, We'll work through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Um, And then, I think from there, uh, we will think, don't hold me to this, right? It's still in, in, in the development phase. What's that called? Um, the development phase? Is that what that's called? Cool. Brainstorming, you know, um, you know, research and development, R&D. Gosh, that's what I was going for, research and development. Uh, I think we will do a series on God's design of human sexuality. Uh, this last week, uh, we were, our staff went to a, a sex conference um, that's that, sorry. That's aggressive. It was a it was a marriage conference. It's called Reclaim, but it's, it was about God's design for sexuality. So we talked a lot about sex, um, and so uh, that's what we call it. And um, and we just kind of looked into what I believe is one of the primary battlefields uh, of faith today is human sexuality and, and God's design for us. Um, in that regards as, as male, female, husband, wife, sexuality, and, 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 and how God's made us. You know, and you see, I think, um, if we think of, of the world in a spiritual lens, and the Bible tells us to do this, and this is not about Ruth, This is, sorry, um, the Bible tells us to do this, right? That, that we are in a spiritual battle, that the devil is alive and is a, a spiritual opponent, enemy to God. He hates God and wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything or anyone that follows God. Um, and, and we forget that there's a, a spiritual battle happening all around us. That right now, today, um, around this place in our lives, there's a spiritual force that desires to steal, kill, and destroy anything that is good and godly in your life. Right? Like, I think we just kind of, you know, Half-hazardly go through the day like everything's, you know, just what we see and we forget that there is this other spiritual element, right? And w- when you think of a battle and, and a war, you know, it's not just in one spot. There's oftentimes many different areas that uh, that are under attack. And so I think spiritually, we, there's multiple areas that are under attack and human sexuality is one of the primary places of attack in our world today. Um, and, and And the reality is that it's, it, it's not that no one's talking about sexuality. It's just that everyone that's talking about sexuality is typically not following the way of God, right? We get inside the church and we're like, we're afraid to, to you know, use anatomically correct words and we're afraid to talk about the fact that God created sex. Like it, it wasn't some, I, I love this quote, like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, God's looking going, what are they doing? Well, I guess we better figure something out to make up for this, right? Like, no, no, that was God's design and yet it's the world that's hijacked it, and that's the predominant voice that we hear. And it's been this subtle shift, right, that, that has brought us into a place where now we're like, my sexuality is, is, is God. It, it is ultimate. And what I think, or what I feel, or how I want to live my life with my body is, is ultimate, forgetting that there's a God that created our body that that ultimately has charge over who we are. And so um, that was just a, kind of a preview intro. Um, th- there's a lot to read and to study and to pray about it because it is a very personal and intimate and, and, and heavy topic. But um, I, I'm thinking right now that, that it's something that the church has to do a better job of speaking about and not quietly or be ashamed of like it's some you know sinful thing. No, no, it is a beautiful God-created thing. Um, it's just as, as is true with everything else God created, there's a way that is best and is beautiful and is designed by him. And what we tend to do is pervert what is good and, and turn it into what is not. Food, drink, money, all of that stuff. Not bad, but we tend to make it something that God did not intend. And so uh, I'm pretty sure that's what we will jump into at some point in the spring after we finish the first, second, and third John's. Um, so just to give you a little, a little preview, um, a little teaser. I shouldn't, say, I shouldn't say tease when I'm talking about it. I was, um, sorry. There, 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 will be, there will be jokes. It's fine. It's okay. Um, Ruth, let's go to Ruth. Gosh, let me back out of here real fast. Um, Ruth chapter three. Uh, in high school, I had a, uh, I had a pink inflatable couch <laughs> by the name of Floyd. I mean, it only made sense to name the pink couch Floyd. Uh, and, and man, we, P- Floyd was a hit in, in, in our circle. You remember Floyd, Stephanie? You remember Floyd. Um, Floyd was a hit. Everybody loved Floyd. Um, but, but it took a lot of work for me and my buddies to redeem Floyd from the prison that he sat in behind the Mr. Getty's... Um, ticket counter where you collected your prize, right? So so Floyd, that retails probably for like $9.99, I think, I mean, come on, y'all been to those games where you're like, oh, that costs like 50 cents in a convenience store. Here's eight, $80 worth of tickets, right? Like, you know, and so we had to drop a lot of money uh, to get enough tickets, and even then, we were still short a good few, and so we had to pull out the old uh, the old high school charm with the ticket counter gal, um, and just kind of convince her that Floyd needed to come home with us, and we had to put a lot of work into redeeming Floyd. Right, cashing in our tickets and high school charm um, to to bring Floyd home with us. Uh, but eventually, we did it. Like we 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 did whatever it took, and Floyd came home with us, and Floyd was incredible like a pink inflatable couch y'all it was awesome um but we had some some friends uh, during the time uh that were jealous of the attention floyd was getting um and so stephanie and lynn i'm pretty sure y'all stabbed floyd didn't you (laughs) didn't y'all stab floyd and like all i know is oh she's denying it but all i remember is one day floyd had a hole in him that was irreparable and it wasn't natural causes and, and I do remember Stephanie and Lynn being like, y'all uh, talk about Floyd too much, right, or whatever. And it was like, so needless to say, like we, we put in a lot of effort to, to redeem Floyd, to, to pay the price to bring Floyd home to a, a better life, right? To, to, a, to a home of love and care and tenderness for most people. I still need a new inflatable couch. Um, to redeem something, is to do the work necessary to make a wrong right, right? To, to redeem something is to pay the price, to do whatever it takes to take a, a negative situation and turn it to, to good, to move something from dark to, to light, from death to, to life. In, the, in a biblical context, and honestly, um, in the modern world, to, to redeem could be used D- d- um, by describing to pay the price to liberate a slave right i would i, I would redeem the slave i would pay the price to s- basically set the slave free it was the the biblical primary term for how they defined uh redemption and to redeem but it's still something generally speaking that we we do today right you you get in a bad situation you are like, i want to redeem this for good Right, like I want to take this bad situation and I want to I want to work for it to good. Right? You, maybe you've got a bad job and you're like, man, well, my job is terrible, but I want to redeem it. I want to make the most of it, right? So I'm gonna invest in the, the coworkers. Right? You're putting in the work to make a negative situation good. Right? Y- yes, we can redeem even today slaves. Modern-day slavery it exists. There's more slaves today than there, there's ever been right? And we can do the work necessary to pay the price, to, to fight for what is right, and to bring a bad situation to, to good. Hesed is the Hebrew word that we've been talking about in the book of Ruth. H-E-S-E-D, hesed. And it's most commonly translated, steadfast love. An enduring, relentless, never giving up Love and and Hesed is not just something that you you and I feel or that is felt in Ruth, but Hesed is something we can see, like you and I can see when someone is demonstrating Hesed. And one of the facets, one of the aspects of Hesed, if you just looked at steadfast love, one of the things you're going to see in a person that has Hesed is a resolve to redeem. That when, when you and I, or when, when Boaz, or when God demonstrates steadfast love, that there is a resolve, a never give up determination to take what is wrong and make it right. Hesed demonstrates a resolve to redeem. Because doing the work to redeem something is going to require resolve. And that's when Hesed comes in. That's when Hesed lights up. Is when there is this resolve, this commitment to, to make right what is wrong, to bring freedom where there was captivity, to bring life where there was death. We've been talking about Hesed as the primary theme of the book of Ruth, right? God, God doesn't, we don't just have the Bible as like, literature to read and think like, oh, that was a neat story. Um, Our belief and understanding is that these are God's words inspired through human authors so that you and I and the rest of the world can actually know the living God and know how to, to follow him and to walk with him. Right? That when we read Ruth, our primary purpose is not to read Ruth looking for the characters of Boaz or for Ruth or for Naomi. Our primary goal is to look for God. Who is God? What is this telling us about God? God, what are you saying to me through the person of Boaz? What are you saying to me through the person of of Ruth? What are you saying to me, God, when I look at at Hesed? And so we see Hesed, we see steadfast love in chapter one through the person of Ruth, who chose to remain with Naomi even when life got tough, right? You and, all, you and I all want a love like that. We want to be in a committed relationship with someone who says, I will love you today and next month when you're at your worst. Anyone who gets married stands up and, and, and commits and hopes the other person will follow through with this. I will love you today on our wedding day when it's easy and five years from now, when when everything's crumbled. I'm not going anywhere. Like, you can bring the worst, and I'm sticking around. I'm staying, right? Like, that's the kind of love that we desire. It's the kind of love that I believe we want to give. It's the kind of love that we see in Ruth, a, a love that remains, It would have been much easier, much more practical, much more logical. So often we make decisions based on what's logical and practical, and and this seems to fit, right? It would have been practical and logical for Ruth to go back to Moab. Remaining with Naomi was choosing, no doubt, the more difficult long-term road. And yet, Hesed remains. It chooses, this is until death do us part. If you're married, that's the commitment we gave. Hesed. There's a freedom with that, right? If you're engaged, that's the commitment you're giving. There we go. <laughs> Got the thumbs up. We're not going anywhere. It's the only love that makes us feel safe to truly grow and be free, right? That's what we see in chapter one, that aspect of hesed, of steadfast love. In chapter two, we see another aspect of hesed, and it's the generous kindness of Boaz, not just once, but kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness. Stephanie, uh, I don't even know why she started talking about this, reminded me of this guy in college that I used to give rides home from work, Um, He he rode his bike, and and one day it was raining, and I was like, that sucks, right? So he threw his bike in my truck, and I I drove him home, and then I was like, hey, call me anytime you need a ride. Well, he took me up on that, Um, and I mean, he would call me all the time, and there came a point when I'd look at my phone, my flip phone, my Razor, those are the days, right? And I recognized his number, and it was like, you know, I just... I just I just stopped candidly. I was like, gosh, I don't want to go pick him up anymore, right? And, and my kindness ran out. Hesed gives kindness on top of kindness on without end, right? Boaz met the minimum expectations of what it would look like to love his neighbor, and then he went on top of that, and 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 and. and you know, we have to battle that our internal selfishness just wants to be like, I'm kind of tired and I don't want to do this. Hesed gives generously kindness without end. And we see that with Boaz as he just goes over the top with kindness for Ruth. In chapter three, we see Hesed as Ruth prioritizes and prefers Naomi's rest over her own right Naomi sends Ruth out hey girl it's time for you to get married it's time for you to meet someone new change your clothes you can take a shower put on some perfume look good head on out right go get yourself a man and and and, and Naomi gives her some direction but nail Ruth had freedom she could have gone and pursued someone that was younger that was maybe more compatible perhaps more attractive right you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not experiencing that, right? As you get older, right? Like, the, start to loosen things a little bit, start to gain a little extra in some places. You're like, I didn't like that, um, right? It just happens as you get older. Perhaps Ruth could have picked a younger man, someone who had more money, someone who could set her out a little sugar daddy, right? Set her out on this, this path. Instead, Ruth prioritized the, the preference, the needs, the rest of Naomi over her own. Hesed puts others first. Steadfast love puts the needs and the preferences and the desires of others before self. We see that in Ruth as she puts Naomi ahead of herself. And in chapter, end of chapter three in verse four, what we'll see of Hesed is that there is a commitment, a resolve to redeem, to make right what is wrong to pay the price at one's own cost to fix what is broken and to redeem a bad situation. Now, as we read this, and I've already said this, we're first looking at hesed and not applauding Ruth and Boaz, although yes, but we're applauding the hesed of God, the steadfast love of God that will remain with us no matter what and that gives kindness on top of kindness and on top of kindness and that Ephesians 1 says in Jesus, we have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, right? God's just opened up the blessings of heaven and been like, here you go. And we see the steadfast love of God in that he prefers us and that Jesus did not hold on tightly to his rights but willingly laid his rights down in order to come and to serve us and to lift us up. And he put our preference and our needs ahead of his own. And we see in chapter four, the Hesed love of God to redeem us at any cost necessary. And so we look first and we say, man, look at the Hesed of God. And then we say, now how do I do this with others? We're first inspired and filled by God's love for us. And then we are able to go and to give that love to others. And so we see in Ruth the hesed of God and in the model of how we go and hesed others, give steadfast love to others. So chapter three. We see here, if you recall, that Ruth went down to the threshing floor as Naomi instructed her. And and what does Ruth do? Anybody remember? What what is? This is, it's okay, group participation's okay. What does she do? Lays at his feet. She hops in bed with, with Boaz, right? And, and the I love sometimes the understatements of Scripture. It's like, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Like, yeah, and behold? Are you kidding me? If you go to sleep alone, and around midnight you wake up, and there's another person in bed with you, hey, you better behold something, right? Like, I don't know depends on if it's a friendly person or not, right? Behold, there's a woman in bed with him, right? There's a woman laying at his feet and she came to lay at his feet in a posture of submission. What she did next is she proposed marriage to Boaz, right? She said um, in verse nine, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer, right? She said, hey, Boaz, I want to come under your protection i want to come under your wings i want you to be my rest i want you to be my refuge i want you to be my provider my protector my husband she comes and proposes marriage to boaz again it's not common for for our culture right it happens and it's fine but it's not common in our culture for the woman to propose to the man right This is a patriarchal society where women really did not have rights. It never happened then where a woman proposed to a man. But again, it illustrates Ruth's humility to prefer Naomi. Because if Boaz redeems Ruth, Naomi is also redeemed and protected. She's no longer a widow in desperate need. So to understand what we're talking about with redemption, like we've got to remind ourselves the context. Naomi and Ruth have both lost their husbands, and they have no children that will rise up and, and protect them and, and run the family estate. To be a widow in a patriarchal society in this day w- was a death sentence. They couldn't work. They couldn't earn income. Right? They, they could just be physically overrun, overtaken, abused, and they had very few rights. And and so this is a death sentence. They literally are are on a path of of poverty and destruction and death. As a last-ditch effort, right, the the matriarch, the surviving matriarch could sell the land and, and everything that goes along with it. So Ruth can sell Elimelech, her her former husband's land, right? And she can make some money that would then just prolong the inevitable. But once she sells the land, whoever redeems that land, buys it back, gets the land and everything that goes along with it. The business, right? The the employment, the, the crops, and the employees. It's like buying a sports team, right? If I were to go buy a sports team, I get the team. I also get the contracts that go along with it. I get the players that are a part of that. That's what this is talking about. So if Naomi sells the land and someone redeems it, they get the contracts, they get the employees, and they get the right to marry the widow and to perpetuate the family's line. And so Ruth proposes to Boaz hey, you are one of our family's redeemers. You can rescue us out of this situation. We talked last week about the Hebrew word used there. It's the Hebrew word goel. It means kinsman, redeemer, right? So if a relative of a comes and purchases the land and purchases the business that goes along with it and marries Ruth, the relative of Elimelech, can perpetuate that family line through Ruth. It, it gives their family continued existence. Their family no longer dies off, but but gives them hope for a future. There's a hope for a future through the son. That's what they call in literary terms, foreshadowing. There's hope for the future through a son. If the kinsman redeemer comes in and redeems them, if someone that's not family redeems them, they have no clue what's coming. No, No guarantee. Even if Ruth have kids, it's not in the family line of Naomi. It's in a different family line. Naomi's family is done. And so Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Now, there's three requirements for a kinsman redeemer, for a goel. One, he must be a close relative. Right? To, to perpetuate the family line, the kinsman redeemer must be a kin, right? a close relative. Boaz is a close relative of Elimelech. What we'll see in a second is that he is the second removed. Second, the kinsman redeemer must have the means to redeem. Right? They, they, they must be able to redeem If they didn't have the means, then there's, they can't do it anyways. And then third, the kinsman redeemer must have the desire to redeem. kinsman redeemer must be a close relative, must have the means, and must have the desire. Boaz was a close relative. Boaz had the means. The question mark was, would Boaz have the desire to redeem Ruth and Naomi? and all that came with it because redemption doesn't cost Ruth or Naomi anything but redemption costs the redeemer a lot to be redeemed costs nothing to do the redeeming comes at a high price and so the redeemer must not only have the means but the desire to give of their means in order to redeem that was the question mark when Ruth comes and proposes, that's what her heart is beating fast about. Yes, the whole scenario, middle of the night, hop in bed, propose to him, but will he redeem them? Does he want to do that work? Boaz responds in verse 11. He says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For you, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Ruth proposes to Boaz, will you redeem us at any cost? Will you pay the price to give my family a future and a hope and a new life? And Boaz says, absolutely yes. Yes. I will do this. And he says, do not fear. There's a theme throughout the Bible that in the presence of the Redeemer, fear finds its end. That's another foreshadowing if you're picking up on those. That in the presence of the Redeemer, fear has no place. What would cause Ruth fear? Well, there's no one to take care of them there's no one to give them life there's no one to provide for them there's no one to set them on the right track but when a redeemer is present who pays the price to remedy all that what's there to be afraid of the redeemer's already paid the price everything's taken care of everything is settled so in the presence of the redeemer fear loses its power a new day breaks in hope is present it reminds me of Isaiah 43, one through two, some of my favorite verses uh, in the scripture. I remember just reading this in college and it's it stuck with me ever since, these verses. It says in Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. V- very similar to the words being expressed from Boaz to Ruth here. Do not be afraid. I will redeem you. I will pay the price. I will do the work to fix what is broken in your life. You don't need to be afraid of that anymore. What is God saying? Is the reason we don't need to fear? Look at it. What does God say? What is the reason that that Jacob, that Judah, that Israel, that, that you and me that that we don't need to fear? I have redeemed you. I've paid the price to make you mine. And because you are mine, verse 2: when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. The reason, and this is easier said than done, I'll admit my primary struggle is fear, is fear of the unknown. But the reason I don't have to be afraid is that God promises he is with me. And he is my redeemer. He's already paid the price for me to be his. So I don't have to be afraid. Fear is my my choice. I don't have to be afraid because he's with me, because he's redeemed me. He's called me by name. And that's what Boaz says to Ruth, my sweet daughter. You don't need to be afraid anymore. I've got you. I'll take care of this. I'll redeem you. I'll pay the price. But now there's a, there's a problem. There, there, you know, Again, this reads like a story. Right? How, how many times have you watched a movie and you're like, oh my gosh, everything's gonna work out, and then behold, another like, problem arises? Like, oh no, is it actually gonna work out? You know, so we see this. He says in verse 12, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, he will re- if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Right? He's looking out for her reputation. Nothing inappropriate happened, but many would assume something inappropriate happened. Because remember, the threshing floor was known to be a place of promiscuity. That was a historical fact. The threshing floor was was a place of promiscuous behavior. And so if people saw a woman leaving the threshing floor, they would just assume, okay, this is what she was doing, right? And so in order to protect her reputation, to protect her her name, because everyone knows she's a worthy woman, he says, hey, get up early, get going, but you're not gonna go empty-handed. Let me load you up with more food, right? And so he sends her with more food. "'Bring the garment you're wearing, hold it out.'" This is verse 15. "'So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. "'Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, "'How did you fare, my daughter?' "'And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, "'These six measures of barley he gave to me. "'For he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. "'She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, "'for the man will not rest.'" Underline, he will not rest he, he's resolved to redeem he will not rest until the matter is settled but what's the problem or what's, what's the tension here Boaz says yes I will marry you I will redeem you but according to the law there's another family member closer in relation that gets first dibs and if he wants to redeem then Boaz is going to let him redeem Here's what here's what stood out to me about that, right? But it's clear Boaz has the desire. He wants to redeem. Ruth is a catch, right? Right? He said, "What? How did it describe her? Ruth, you are hot and beautiful and just like smoke sizzling." No, no, it didn't say that. It may be true. It may be true. But what does Boaz notice? Your character. You're worthy. I just want to say to the women in this room, far better than looks and appearance that fades is a woman of character and integrity, faithfulness. That's what the Bible preaches. That's what Boaz sees in Ruth. Look, it's fine. It, like, appearance is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's, that's not what the Bible celebrates and holds high. Don't let the world tell you that's what matters most. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. What matters most is your heart and your character and your integrity. Man, Ruth was a catch. Boaz wanted to marry her. Here's what, here's what stood out to me. But Boaz cared more about honoring God's word than chasing his own preference. Just let that sink for a second. Boaz wanted to marry this woman. It's a good thing. He's going to redeem her. But he cared more about honoring God's word than pursuing even his pre- a good preference and desire. At this conference we were a part of, one of the speakers, I don't remember which one, she, she said that we're always going to hit this ceiling in freedom until we hit the point where we care about honoring God with our sexuality than fulfilling our own desires and passions we'll continue to hit this wall until honoring and obeying God trumps everything else i think it's one of the biggest reasons that our culture struggles to know God like the bible talks about like we we dream about is that there comes this point where God calls us to obey and to trust him and we default back to our own preferences our own desires our own flesh where God says, trust me, obey me, lay this down. And we say, but this makes more sense to us. This seems more logical. This seems more satisfying. And I think that we will continue to hit this ceiling in abundant life and the fullness of life that we dream of and pray of and want until we are radically surrendered in obedience that we prefer to honor God even over a good preference. It was not sinful it was good to 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 redeem Ruth his desires were there and yet he was willing to lay them down in order to honor God more my prayer is that we that the Holy Spirit will convict us in our own lives in this place and he will give us the faith to believe okay that that Boaz was like God this is what I want but if it's not what if it's not what you want then I don't want it are, are we willing to do that? That's what we see in Boaz, that he, he cares more about honoring God than doing life his own way. But he's going to check into it. He's going to settle the matter. He is resolved to see Ruth redeemed, even if it's not him doing the redeeming. He's resolved he will not rest and so verse chapter four Boaz goes up early to the gate and he sits down there before anyone gets there right he rises up early one of the things that I've heard someone say it's always the right time to do the right thing right how many times you're like oh I'll get to it right it's, it's before it's before opening hours right it's early right I'll get to it later I'll get to it tomorrow I'll get to it when I wake up it is always the right time to do the right thing always so Boaz gets up before people are even there he's just chilling at the gate he's just waiting right because it's the right time to do the right thing always and so he goes to the gate and and the other guy he, he comes by and Boaz says to him in verse one hey turn aside for him come here dude let's talk sit down and old boy turns aside and sits down and he took the men of the elders right he's going to have a legal transaction here And he takes the elders of the city and says, sit down here. So they sit down. And then Boaz says to redeemer number one, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to a relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. Gosh, man, that is is faith right there, y'all. Like the number of times where I'm just like, Get my hands around this and control the situation. This redeemer number one didn't even know it was up for sale. right, why why has Boaz got to go do that? But he trusts God. He's a man of character, a man of integrity, and he's going to honor God no matter what, right? So chapter, verse five, then Boaz, I'm sorry. If you will redeem it, redeem it, verse four. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there's no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, redeemer number one, I'll redeem it, I'll do it. Right? Dun, dun, dun. Tension, right? The the score behind the movie's building, what's going to happen, right? Then Boaz said, oh, by the way, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. What happened here? Right? Boaz, Redeemer number one comes up, and Boaz's like, hey, Naomi is is selling her land. You know the situation. She's selling it. You have first dibs to redeem it. And the guy's like, yeah, weighs weighs the cost. I'll redeem it. I'll do it. By the way, don't forget, when you redeem the land, you marry Ruth, and and perpetuate Elimelech's line through Ruth. Well, now the cost just went right? Every, every husband knows, man, you get married, that cost goes up. Just, I'm just kidding, babe, that's not true. Right, you add kids into the picture? Shoot, kids are expensive, right? Man. So literally, when he thinks it's just the land, He's doing the math. The cost is acceptable. He'll pay the cost. Then you add in a wife and kids and more kids, and the cost is no longer worth it to him. He refuses to pay the cost of redemption. It's too high. It's too great. Because redemption is free for Ruth, but it's costly to the Redeemer. For for us to be a people that redeem a bad situation into good, it is going to require a cost from us. It may not be monetary, right? It it may just be energy. If I wanna take this broken situation, this broken relationship, and I wanna see it through to where it's a good relationship, it is going to require the cost of emotional and mental and, and spiritual energy. Is the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost to redeem it? Right. If you want to redeem something physically with money, right, it's going to cost a price in order to buy that out. Right. There there are millions of slaves in the world today. If we want to be a part of bringing freedom, right, it is going to come at a cost. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy. Are we willing to pay the cost? Do we desire to redeem? Do we desire to pay the cost necessary to bring something from bad to good? Redeemer one was not willing to pay the cost. He was not resolved to redeem no matter what. There came a point when the cost was too high and he was out. But not so for Boaz. Verse seven. It says, "This was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel." I just want to try that next time I purchase something. just be like, "Here's my shoe. That'll, that'll work, right?" This was the custom. So when the redeemer said to Boaz buy it for yourself Boaz drew off his sandal and Boaz said to the elders and all the people you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his natives, native place. You are witnesses this day. Boaz looked at the cost and not just part of it, He looked at the the price of the land and the price of redeeming Naomi and the price of redeeming Ruth and the price of perpetuating the family's name and he said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the cost it takes to redeem them from a desperate situation into a place of life. Come on, we, we want to receive a love like that. We wanna know that there's someone in our corner that would pay the price, whatever it took to bring us into freedom. We wanna know that there's someone that will step into the mess with us, that will walk in the trenches with us and will not see a price tag too much and back out, but will walk with us to see redemption through. That when it gets messy and my mess starts spilling into their lives, that they're not gonna go, this is too much, I gotta get out. This, this doesn't work for me. We wanna know that there's people that will love us like that, right? I'm not, a, right, I'm a, yes, come on. And I think that we wanna be a people like that. I think that we're created and want to be a people that will not say, you're not worth this cost, but will shell out the money or shell out the energy or put in the effort to help bring people from a crappy situation to a beautiful situation. I think that God's put that desire in us and we see that in Boaz and we're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. What a beautiful love story. And Stephanie at one point was like, hey, can you make this more romantic? And I'm like, there's not really romance in this, which I love because, man, come on, people have been married for a while. It's not built on romance. You wanna be married for for any length of time, it's not built on romance. That goes quick it's built on commitment. It's built on resolve. It's built on, I'm not going anywhere and I will seek your good over my own. That's the love that we see in Boaz. That's the love that we want. And he redeems Ruth. Now I've been saying this foreshadowing Right, this foreshadowing and that this is meant to, to draw our attention to God and this is meant to, to help us see who he is. And so let's connect those dots as we, as we wrap up here. Verse 13, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. he was the father of Jesse the father of David now these are the generations of Perez Perez fathered Hezron Hezred, Hezron fathered Ram Ram fathered Abinadab Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz Boaz fathered Obed Obed fathered Jesse Jesse fathered David David fathered Solomon and so on and so on and so on fathered Jesus, that Jesus' family line connects to Boaz, that in the redemption of Boaz with Ruth, a son would be born, and a son would be born, and a son would be born, and a son would be born, who's the redeemer of the entire world that we see this foreshadowing of Boaz to help us look and see Jesus. And the point of Ruth is that we are to see ourselves in the situation of Ruth and Naomi in desperate need of a Redeemer that we cannot climb ourselves out of this hole, that we cannot fix what we broke, that we cannot make ourselves presentable and right. We need someone who will come in and redeem us. Redeem us from what? From what? Let's be honest. Our lives are probably pretty good. In the grand scheme of things, man, th- life is okay. We got clothes on our back. When we came in here, we had pastries and coffee. We're sitting in a chair. We got AC going. What do we need redemption from? We're in a more dire situation than Ruth and Naomi ever were physically. We're born into a separation from the God of the world, right? That that our need is to be restored into relationship with God. We're created to to know God and to walk with him and to be in a relationship with, with God, to not wonder, is he there? To not, you know, have this huge gap, but we're created to walk closely with God, The Bible says that is abundant life, that is the fullness of joy in his presence. And what did we do? We all chose to walk away, right? Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. We all chose to sin and to walk away from God. And if God is life, to walk away from the presence of life is what? Is death. So yeah, that's physical death, but more so it's spiritual death. We are on a path of eternal death and separation from God. We have to see that God wrote this so that we would see, man, we are Ruth and Naomi and we are destined for destruction unless a redeemer comes in to fix what we broke. Unless a redeemer comes in to make our bad situation good. We need a rescuer. We need someone who's resolved and will pay the price no matter what it takes. And we see Boaz as that redeemer and he's foreshadowing to generations later when Jesus, his great 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 grandson, would be born who is the redeemer of the world. Does Jesus fit the requirements of the redeemer? Is he a close relative? Romans 8:29 Gives us that answer. It says that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus became human so that he could become one of us, that he could be the firstborn of all creation that spiritually he could be our relative. And so, yes, he is a close relative. He is our creator. He is the one who begot us, who brought us into this world. And Jesus came to be the firstborn of all creation. He is a close relative. Does he have the means? Does he have what it takes to redeem us? 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. First Peter says that we were redeemed, we were ransomed. The price was paid for our redemption by the blood of Jesus. What's necessary for you and I to have a relationship with God is a perfect record. A perfect record. You tracking with me? You and I have to give God a perfect life in order to be in a relationship with him. That puts us in a desperate situation. And Jesus came and he was able to redeem us because he was able to offer his perfect life in our place the spotless lamb. You remember Exodus? Right, when, when the angel of God's wrath is gonna come through Egypt and is going to punish sin by killing the firstborn of every family. Right, we chose to sin. We bring death on ourselves, right? That's what's happening. God's going to punish sin unless by faith people trusted him and did what? Killed a spotless lamb in their place the spotless lamb would die so that the son would live and the blood of the lamb would be placed on the house and the angel of God's wrath would come up to the house and would see that in faith these people trusted God and the spotless lamb died so that they don't have to and the angel of God's wrath would pass over that house and they would live. The price was the death of a lamb the price for our redemption is the death of the Lamb of God. The spotless, sinless Jesus. He's able. Does he want to? Does Jesus want to redeem you? Does he desire to pay the price at any cost for you? Maybe you think he wants to redeem others, but not you. Maybe you've got people in your life where you're like, man, God redeems that, those people, but not, not that person. Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. That, that it was the joy of Jesus to pay the ransom price for our redemption. He desires for you and I to be set free and he's willing to pay any cost for that freedom. 1 Corinthians 6 says you were bought with a price. Redemption for us is free but it comes at a great price to the Redeemer. The price of Jesus. It was resolved at any cost to set us free. That's the main point of Ruth. That's the theme of Ruth. That's the message that God doesn't want us to just read, but God wants us to know in the depths of our soul is that he has a steadfast and enduring, a kind, a preferential mad love for you. And that he will go to any lengths and pay any price to set you free from sin and from death. Jesus is our Redeemer. And we receive that love, we trust Him. And He gives us a new life that we could then go and love others in the same way. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com